I'm Michael R. Malley, and this is Fresh Green Blessings, reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. Hello again, and welcome to Fresh Green Blessings. And I am Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Ren Erickson Malley. And today we will have a reading from Genesis chapter 27. And here we have conflict between two brothers, Jacob and Esau. The story of Jacob stealing their father Isaac's blessing, stealing the blessing from Esau. Ollie will read that. I'll read a little reflection on that, share a little uh, Dharma talk on that, and then Ollie will have some closing words. And as always, we have the Tibetan singing bowl, and you are invited to enjoy, be present, be mindful to the sound of the bowl, to the sound of the bell. Today we have an abridged reading from Genesis, chapter 27, verses 1 through 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called his elder son Esau and said to him, My son? And he answered, Here I am. He said, See, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Prepare me savory food such as I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to his son Jacob, I heard your father speaking to your brother Esau. Now therefore, my son, obey my word as I command you. You shall take savory food to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to his mother, Rebekah, Look, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a man of smooth skin. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my word. And his mother prepared savory food, so as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. And she put the skins of the kid on his hand and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the savory food and the bread that she prepared to her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? 
He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near me, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went up to his father Isaac, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it to me, that I may eat of my son's game, and bless you. So we brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his garments, and he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Jacob, following the commands of his mother, tricks his blind father Isaac and stills his elder brother Esau's blessing. Isaac is not fooled by Jacob's voice, but Isaac's senses of touch and smell betray him. Feeling Jacob's hands covered in goat fur gloves, Isaac thinks he is touching Esau's hairy hands. When Jacob kisses his blind dying father, after lying repeatedly to him, the father Isaac smells Esau's clothes and is fully convinced that he is giving his blessing to Esau. Isaac is deceived on his deathbed, and the Abrahamic religion continues from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. The Bible reflects with an astonishing realism the existence of man is a creature living in the realm of time and space, and this makes the Bible curiously relevant to human life in its complexity, as we have to live it, writes the biblical scholar C. H. Dodd in 1947. In the 1970s, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher says, the challenge of spiritual warriorship is to live fully in this world as it is, with all its paradoxes. Much of what we tend to critique in the Bible is that which we rightly critique in the world. Senseless murders, vengeance, arrogance, supremacist views, hate, even the rivalries, tensions, and deceptions within families or among siblings. Oftentimes, we turn to sacred texts to give us refuge, inspiration, a perspective on humanity in the world that is visionary articulating what we humans can be and what this world will be if we will only envision and embrace such a higher plane. At such times, sacred writings are resources for holy work, opening us to pathways of vastness for our better selves. The Bible often serves us as this guide on the right path. But both the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament invite something else, something more. As we read stories such as the tale of Jacob stealing Esau's blessing, we are invited to open ourselves into the work of holy tension. 
a depth of tension exists between our higher, better selves and our self-serving tendencies, including our capacity for duplicity. How shall we respond? As Dodd notes, the Bible holds curious relevancy to our lived lives. Its realism is astonishing. Do you know of people who have committed great wrongs to loved ones in order to maximize their own inheritances? Are you aware of people who have lied and successfully made false claims around someone's death, compounding the pain of death with deceit and cunning? Have you ever been deceitful out of self-interest? The Bible plunges us into stories that are, as Dodd says, of the same stuff as our individual experience of day-to-day -day happenings. How lovely for those of us who hold the Bible as sacred. Rather than simply parading forth grand eloquent virtues and telling us to uphold them, the Bible tells nitty-gritty tales that make us wince, that even sometimes make us wince at ourselves. As I read C.H. Dodd's writings from the 1940s or 1950s, I find that I don't agree with all of his theology, but I do deeply appreciate some of the perspective that he offers. And for those of us who hold the Bible as sacred, or attempt to hold the Bible as sacred, we are faced again and again with troubling stories. I mean, the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim religions are called the Abrahamic religions. And they are, to, they are said to have passed from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And, and note, they don't pass from Abraham to Isaac to Esau. And we are told in this story of a, you know, terrible trickery and cunning that Jacob and his mother Rebecca plan and execute on the deathbed of a blind man. How can this be sacred text?
we live in a world where many people deny anything is sacred. But for those who even hold to the idea of sacrality, that, that, that things are sacred, we have for generations now created this box. Sacred is this experience that maybe people have when they go to church on Sunday morning. They enter into the sacred and then they leave the sacred. My dad used to joke about going to church and seeing people who were behaving so piously. <laughs> and then he would say, but then as soon as you got out of the parking lot, they'd cut you off so that they could get home before you. <laughs> the Tibetan Buddhist teacher says, the challenge of warriorship is to live fully in this world as it is, with all of its paradoxes. And so I think what we would like to do or at least that I could say what I would oftentimes like to do, is, is to just kind of get the eraser out and say, oh yeah, I can erase this part of my life. I can blot that part out. I can redact this. And here, I'm in the sacred, and there I'm not. A great example of this that I think of uh, within Buddhism, they speak of the Noble Eightfold Path, and one of the elements of the path is right livelihood. Our livelihood, the way we earn our money, it should be worthy. It should be selfless, beneficial to the earth, to the animals, to other people, not just for ourselves. And how many people will feel that they are holding um, up some sort of high moral standard for themselves, and yet they will live with a livelihood that it would be very difficult to hold up as a right or beneficial livelihood. One of the things that I have come to really appreciate about both the New Testament and the Hebrew Bible is that the, the books of the, uh, of, of the Bible are full of disturbing stories. Some of them are horrifically violent. This one isn't, but... There's stories of people clearly doing things that are deceitful. Sometimes they end up on top anyway, as does Jacob. And what do we do with that?
What do we do with these stories? What do we do with the, the, the tension between who we are, who any of us are, and who we aspire to be? What do we do with the tension between who we uplift as a hero, as a mentor, who we want to see them as, and their actual behaviors? Dodd writes and says something like, don't skip over. Don't skip over these disturbing stories. Don't just fly by these stories that don't make you feel good. But enter into them. And wrestle with them. Because this Judeo-Christian Holy Writ is doing something which I think is stunning. It's inviting us to look at stories that reflect and mirror the world. I know of people who have been deceitful around the deathbeds. I also suspect that if I looked deeply, I will find that there was in those same people times of beautiful selflessness. I know that I aspire to be a kind, caring, compassionate person, and I know that I have done things for which I feel terrible, that I don't want to share, that I don't want to talk about, that I want to pretend aren't part of my history. Jesus will say in the New Testament, which of you are without sin to toss the first stone? We sometimes think of the sacred as this, this place. You know, I want to reach enlightenment. I want to reach nirvana and be in this place. But the whole process the whole wrestling match of it. The wrestling match that Jacob will later be in, engaged in. That's the work. And all of it, that whole process, is to be immersed in this sacred world.
The Bible speaks truths about humanity that were present thousands of years ago and are present today. The Bible asks much of us. It asks us to read these tales, to hold the tension of these stories, and with all this, to continue to reach towards the sacred in ourselves and our fellow humans and in the world. Yes. I'm Michael Armalley, and you've been listening to Fresh Green Blessings, where we've been reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother of Eyes.